Welcome to the Near Church Podcast. This week's message starts now. Amen. Hebrews chapter 12, this is my assignment for you today. And the Bible says this, as for us, we have all these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into, verse two. Then, and only then, we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination, for the path has already been marked out before us. One more verse. We look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus, who birthed faith within us and leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross. Aren't you glad for that this morning? And conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. I want to preach to you for a few moments this morning on the subject, how to run from rest. Look at your neighbor and say, how to run from rest. Come on, let's do it one more time. Get some pep in your step. We're at church this morning. How to run from rest. Father, thank you for your word this morning. God, I pray that you would just meet us in this room even more. Lord, I sense that you want to do something in this atmosphere today. I sense that you want to free somebody from the bondage that they've walked into. God, I believe that you're here with us and you have a word from heaven for us. In Jesus' name, if you believe it, shout amen. You may be seated. Y'all, we got, there's still people coming in, so we got to do what's called SOS. Scoot over some. Come on, if you, I know you can't do that in your seat, but in, in church pews, you used to be able to do that. Does anybody miss church pews? You can fit more people in church pews, amen? Amen, amen. As we enter into the realm of rest, we are learning what it truly means to live the life that Jesus died for. So many of us in this room have exhausted ourselves in the pursuit of, of religious perfection instead of resting in the finished work of Jesus Christ. But we are changing our hearts and minds to pursue something much less appealing than cultural norms, which is resting from our own work. Aren't you glad you don't have to hustle anymore? Aren't you glad that you don't have to make a way yourself anymore? We are resting in what Jesus did. And in this pursuit this morning, we are settling, catch this, for what God has for us. Now, this isn't settling for a mediocre life. Because let me tell you this morning, if you're living a mediocre life, it's not the life from Jesus. If you're living a mediocre life this morning, it's not the one that God called and destined you to live. Because this morning, there is more than mediocrity. Did you hear me in the house? There is more than struggle this morning. I already feel like preaching in the house. There is more than the last church service. There's more than the last encounter. There's more than the last prophetic word. There's more than your last uh, win that you accomplished. There is more this this morning. Somebody say there is more. There's more. There's more than the struggle that you've went through. I'm talking to somebody online now. Your entire life and you never thought you'd ever make it through. There is more. Somebody say there's more. There's more. And so we are settling for something that is worth far more than anything else than this life can offer. 
But in the midst of settling for rest, we must understand that our Father, Yahweh, has called us to run in a race of pursuit for everything that he has for us. How many of you want everything that God has for you in the house? Let me hear you. I want everything. We are called by our Father Yahweh. Now, I've got a couple scriptures for you to prove my point this morning. Matthew 22 and 14, the Bible says, For many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called, but few are chosen. Romans 8 and 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. 2 Timothy 1 and 9 says who saved us, Jesus who saved us and called us. He called me. He called us to a holy calling, not because of our own works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages begin. Now there is no doubt this morning that we as children of God are called. Somebody say I'm called. But in our culture, catch this, we have idolized destiny purpose, and calling. Can I prove it to you this morning? Pastor, I I just don't know what I'm called to. Why aren't you serving right now? Well, Pastor, I I haven't received my prophetic word yet. You know somebody like that? Come on. I'm not doing anything right now because I'm just waiting to hear from God about my destiny. My destiny. Listen. We have made it about what we can and what we will do instead of who we are. I'm going to say that again. We've made it about purpose, destiny, calling, what we will do, what we're doing now, instead of who we are. We've taught our staff this because it's so easy in ministry to get wrapped up in the position and the title of who you are. Come on. It's so easy to get wrapped up and we've taught them that you are not a near groups pastor. You are not a kid's pastor. You are you. And you're called by God to fulfill a purpose. The purpose isn't you. So if God catch this ever takes the purpose away, I'm still strong in my relationship with Jesus. Come on somebody. Because I'm not grounded in what I do. I'm grounded in who I am. Come on. And so we worship it at the altar of the idolatry of purpose and destiny. Because get this this morning, you can stack chairs without a prophetic word. (laughs) Come on, somebody. You can stack chairs without a prophetic word. You can set up pipe and drape without a title. You don't need a calling and a badge and and go to seminary for four years in order for God to use you. Come on. I believe in purpose. I believe in destiny. I believe in all of that. But when it becomes about us, we have missed it. I said when it becomes about us, we have missed it. Because this race that you and I are in is not about us. It's all about him. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, it's all about him. Because catch this this morning. If you're taking notes, write write some of this stuff down. This This will help you. I believe it will. When it becomes about us, our security is then in our own ability instead of his grace. It's in our own ability instead of his grace. And this morning, our scripture talks about running a race. That's why I'm dressed like this. Come on. 
I'm running a race this morning and I'm already sweating and this is catching my sweat. I may wear one every week. Come on. <laughs> we're running a race. But often instead of running the path that God has set for us, we're running back and forth to things that give us a fix. Preachers run from sermon to sermon looking for enough amens to make us feel like a good preacher. We run from relationship to relationship looking for the love and fulfillment that we missed out on with our parents. Come on. We run from career to career looking for fulfillment that we're lacking in our marriage, that we're lacking in our prayer life. Come on, somebody. We run from fix to fix looking for the next fix of fulfillment. But I came to tell somebody this morning that in this house, there is freedom from the fix. Come on, somebody. And I declare to you today that you will no longer be a slave to your purpose. You will no longer be a slave to your destiny. I feel like preaching already this service. You will no longer be a slave this morning. There is freedom from the fix. You don't have to be a slave to ministry. You don't have to be a slave to your destiny. You don't have to be a slave to striving. You can live free. The Father sent his son that you and I could run the race without being a slave. Now, if you're glad for freedom in the house, give him a shout of praise right there. Now, let's go back to our text this morning. Let's break this down. Hebrews chapter 12 and 1. I'm going to take this first section. As for us, we have all these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. Or another way you could read it is clothe us like clouds. Now, this sounds strange reading it in, in today's cultural context, but clothing had a lot of meaning in the ancient world. It wasn't just to look cool or dope or fly. Come on. It had meaning with family. It was about heritage. It was about where I came from. Come on. So it had more meaning than what we have today. And it was often attached to something sentimental in your family line. Now, maybe some of us in this room today don't have a heritage of serving God. Maybe some of you in this room, your, your, your family was addicts. They were adulterers and whatever else you could say. Come on. You don't come from a heritage of people that serve God and often you disqualify yourself from the use of the father because of where you came from. Let me encourage you today that when I come into Christ, I am adopted into a kingdom family. When I come into Christ, I have the heritage of the kingdom. Galatians 3 and 29 says this, and if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring heirs according to the promise can i tell somebody in the room today that you have the same heritage of jesus you have the same heritage of john 
You have the same heritage of the Apostle Paul. You have the same heritage of Martin Luther. You have the same heritage as Smith Wigglesworth. Come on. You have the same heritage as Billy Graham. You have the same heritage as Apostle Jim Rayleigh if he's watching. Come on. You have the same heritage in the house this morning. You have a reason to run in this race today because catch this. Get ready to shout. All of heaven is behind you. You're not running this race by yourself, baby. All of heaven is behind me. Every single person that has went through this, I'm sorry, I'm already shouting, but I'm excited today because all of heaven is behind me and I can run this race with confidence because I'm not alone in this thing. All of heaven is behind me. Now look down your row and say, all of heaven is behind me. Come on. Come on. All of heaven is behind me. I know my heritage is... Crazy, crazy people. You don't have to be crazy. I know they were addicted. You don't have to be addicted. I know they had a divorce. You don't have to get a divorce. Come on. I know they went through that, but listen, all of heaven is behind you and you're going to make it in this race. Give God a shout of praise. If you believe you're going to make it. So we are children of God this morning who are running with the influence of heaven, which is the posture of rest. Now, as we learned last week, every journey has its valleys. How many of you know that? We can't buy into the deception that serving Jesus makes everything perfect. We can't buy into the lie that when I start serving Jesus, nothing bad will ever happen. (laughs) And that the devil didn't do everything. (laughs) The devil didn't make your car break down, y'all. You haven't changed the oil in two years. (laughs) We all go through seasons where things are tough, but the difference this morning between a life without Jesus and one with him is hope. Somebody say hope. We have this eternal hope this morning that carries us through every season. Every season. Cancer. A pandemic, depression, anxiety, about to lose your mind. This hope will carry you through every single season. Come on. We have this hope this morning. So as we run from a posture of rest, we must realize that the devil wants nothing less than absolute chaos in our lives. Can I prove it to you? John 10 and 10, if they'll put it up on the screen. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. That's your enemy this morning. And we would be very ignorant to think that our enemy doesn't exist and that he's not after my calling and my purpose. But the good news is the the second part of the verse. Jesus said, but I came. I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. The devil wants nothing less this this morning than total destruction in our lives. Total destruction in our lives. I have a little sermon illustration. If my guys will go ahead and get ready. I'll take Matt, Garrett, and Jared this morning. It's about to get fun in the house. How many of you believe the presence of God can be fun? Aren't you tired of dead, dry church? Yeah, me too. 
Come on, they're coming up this morning. Come on up, guys. Church is always better with Nerf guns. Now, if you get shot and it hurts, you ain't suing near church. Come on. How many of you agree? Okay, you all agree. Great. There are two things, according to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, that are a danger to us in our pursuit of his presence. And the first one is, Paul says, so we must let go of every wound that has pierced us. Now, Jared today is going to be our runner, okay? You ready, bro? You can eat whatever you want for lunch today because you're about to work it off. Come on. I'm going to move up a little bit out of the firing zone. Come on, somebody. (laughs) There are two things this morning. So the first one is, so we must let go of every wound that has pierced us. So if you're taking notes, number one, wounds from the enemy. So while we are running, go ahead, guys. There are arrows, go ahead, flying all around me. Come on. There are arrows all around me. Why do you think the devil loves to use church hurt so much? Oh, where are you at in the house this morning? Why do you think the devil likes to use church hurt so much? Because he knows if he cannot use sin in our lives, he can use each other. Come on. To not want to come anymore into the community that God has called me into. Come on. Come on. Now get down. Get down for a second. You're struggling now. You're barely making it now. Hey, you shot me. Now stay there for a second. Hold the gunfire for a second. The devil thinks if I can take their victory, I can't take their victory. So I'll use them against each other. Now, this is why we cannot gossip. This is why we cannot write bad things about people on Facebook. Can I give us a prophetic word this morning? It's time to grow up. I know that's a little tough love this morning, but it's time to grow up. Let God handle it. Let God take it. Come on. We got to stop taking offense at everything. Well, they haven't texted me in two weeks. Okay. They're probably like me who has an Apple watch and sees that someone texts them in the middle of doing something, particularly taking care of my kids. Y'all pray for me. No, they're amazing. Jesus, Jesus did a great thing. Can I tell y'all real quick? Grayson asked Jesus into his heart at the Kroger marketplace on Friday morning. It was awesome. Come on. But they're probably like me and they see it and think, oh, I'll get to that later. And then it doesn't show up on your phone anymore because technically you read it. Come on, we got to quit getting offended at everything. You know why? Because the devil knows, do it guys, that if he can get you in that place, now pause, you'll stop running. You'll stop running. Because if the devil can get me down here, I'll never get to the place he's called me to. Man, I feel like preaching this morning. I'll never get to my calling. I'll never get to my destiny. Come on. Do you think it was easy packing up everything and moving to a city that we've never been to, that we knew nobody in the middle of a pandemic? 
Come on. Listen, we moved in January 2020 and then the pandemic hit. What timing from the Lord? <laughs> and listen, pastor and I had an offer to move to Florida. A good offer, y'all. Florida. On the beach. Listen, that was tempting. But I knew where we were supposed to be. And so even when the pandemic pushed us down, now let's get back up. We got back up because there's too much in front of me. I said there's too much in front of me to get worried about what is behind me Ugh. and what's around me. I want to tell somebody this morning, there is too much in you. Somebody say there's too much in you. Now, we allow these things in our lives. And when we do, we are giving an entrance to be used by the enemy to sabotage people in our own community of believers. Ouch. Come on. Another way, catch this, this is so powerful, of translating this, so we must let go of every wound that has pierced us. Another way of saying it is get rid, get rid of every arrow that is in us. Some of us, come on, I'll run with you, are running races at half the pace we could because there's an arrow in us that we never let God take care of. Now, Nerf balls can't go in you, thank God. Come on, you keep running. I'm out of breath. But we're running. We think we got this. God's going to use me. My marriage is good, but you don't realize it's bleeding. You don't realize your purpose is bleeding all over the place and you're losing blood and you think I got this. Come on. Are you in the house this morning? Arrows that are still in us. Some of us are trying to run this race with Jesus and we still have wounds from the sexual abuse 20 years ago. Ah, come on, some of us are in the room this morning trying to run a race with issues from 10 years ago. We're still thinking about what our dad said when we were five years old, and we are running out of that word. Come on, or maybe we're running out of church hurt. I'm coming for you this morning. We're running out of church hurt. And, slow down, bro, just a little bit here. We're running out of church hurt. Catch this, running from church to church. And it's always the pastor's fault. And it's always the worship leader's fault. But really, we're wounded. And we're running from church to church. Because we're not looking for fulfillment, even though we think we are. We're looking for healing. Oh, come on. We're looking for healing because there's an arrow inside of us. Are you still with me this morning? There's an arrow inside of us. And if we aren't careful this morning, we will run this race bitter, offended, angry, and full of unforgiveness. Keep running, bro. But here's the thing. You can run wounded for a while, but eventually, and stop, it'll catch up to you. Now I'm going to slow down for a second here. You can move to another state and your wound will still catch up to you. You can marry another person and that wound will still catch up to you. You can go to another church, another career, another boyfriend. It'll still catch up to you. 
it'll still catch up to you. Now, I'm thankful today, though, that there's healing from my wound. I said, today there's healing from my wound. Because the Bible declares, the prophet Isaiah said that by his stripes, I'll be healed. Here, go back down for a second. Shoot him again. Jesus took it so I didn't have to. Did you hear me? I said, Jesus took it. I'm going to go through some pain for a second. Jesus, don't shoot me in the face. Jesus took it so I didn't have to. I said, Jesus, my God, stop. <laughs> Jesus took it so I didn't have to. This morning, you're trying to heal yourself. Jesus did it so you don't have to. Jesus did it so you don't have to. I dare somebody to give God a shout of praise in the house because he did it so I don't have to do it. Man, that hurt. Come on. So number one. Number one this morning is wounds from the enemy. And number two, now stand back up, Jared, are sins that we fall into. Yeah, reload, y'all. Reload. <laughs> sins we fall into. Or another way to say it is sins that cleverly entangle us. Now, the Aramaic can be translated, the sin that is ready and waiting for us. Because the enemy knows if he can't get you with hurt, he'll get you with sin. If he can't get you with a person, he'll get you with sin. He'll get you with sin. Somebody say, he'll get me with sin. And so we're running this race. And it's sin that wants to entrap us. Now, I want y'all to aim for his feet and legs. Sorry, bro. I love you. Jesus will heal you. Amen. <laughs> now, this one, if we were speaking of one sin this morning, the context would point, here, slow down just a little bit. The point, it would point to the sin of unbelief and doubt. But how many of you know this morning that all sin comes from doubt and unbelief? Now, I know some of you are thinking, well, all sin comes from pride. True, but pride is rooted in doubt and unbelief. Can I prove it to you? What did the serpent say to Eve? Throw that up there, Chris. Genesis 3 and 1. One day the serpent asked the woman, did God really say? Did God really say? You can stop. That you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden. Did God really say? Somebody say, did God really say? The moment that we believe that what God has said is not true. Let me see that gun. We're setting ourselves up. Catch this. For self-sabotage. Now, I know that's funny. There you go. But it's so true. Self-sabotage. Let's look at this deeper. Did God really say I was free? 
We'll start walking in old patterns of sin because we believe the lie that the Father doesn't truly set us free. It'll happen in eternity. Come on. Did God really say that I was healed? We see others receive physical healing on earth and doubt God's goodness. Well, listen, I'm healed whether it's here or in eternity. Come on. Did God really say that I'm loved? We excuse things like self-harm and suicide because, get this, we've never truly experienced the love of a real father. I believe in getting help. I believe in all that stuff. But at the root of it, they need to find his love. Come on. So did God really say? Did he really say that my marriage could make it? Did he really say that I was called according to his purpose? Did he really say that he loves me no matter what I do? Did God really say? Yes, he did. I said, yes, he did. He said, I'm healed. Spirit, soul, and body. He said, I'm the apple of his eye. He said, I'm the head and not the tail. He said that I can be totally free. Come on. He said, I don't have to struggle anymore. He said, I don't have to go through the divorce again. He said, I don't have to do that. I don't have to. I can be totally free. Listen, I came to tell somebody today that if God said it, you can bank on it. If God said it, you can take it to the bank and cash that check. Come on, this is an old way of saying it. If God said it, I believe it, and that settles it for me. If God said our church is going to grow, it's going to grow. If God said there's going to be revival, get your boots ready because we're walking in revival. If God said I'm going to be blessed, I'm going to be blessed. Come on. Well, pastor, I haven't seen it. Listen, it's time to start believing again. Come on. It's time to start believing the word of our father again. Why? Because he said it. I dare somebody in this room, in this atmosphere of faith, to give God a radical praise on their feet right now. Because I believe him. Come on, clap your hands like you believe him. I believe every word he said. I believe that if he said it, he's not a liar and he's going to do it. Come on, give five people a high five and say, if he said it, he's going to do it. Come on, say it louder. If he said it, he's going to do it. Thank you, guys. Give it up for our team this morning. Come on, give it up for our team this morning with that sermon illustration. I believe him. I said, I believe him this morning. Woo. I believe that the father never lies. Because what he says has to come to pass. Are you still with me in the house this morning? So sin begins in the seed of doubt. And some of us in this room just simply need to sow the seed of faith again. Faith leads me to a posture of rest. Doubt leads me to a posture of pride. Because if I doubt what God said, I take it into my own hands and God can't bless what's in my hands. But this morning we rest because we have faith that Yahweh has our back. But I doubt because I believe that my way is better than his way. 
this helping somebody this morning? Now let me ask you this. The, the text says, in doubt we invite sin to easily trip us up. Are there any clumsy people in the room? I'm putting both hands up. <laughs> I have tripped over this rug so many times and almost fallen in the middle of preaching. <laughs> Y'all didn't catch it though. Thank God. Come on. I'm a clumsy person. Sin will trip you up like nothing else will. And you'll think, man, I got this. I'm good. I'm running this race for Jesus. And then porn comes in again. Come on. I'm running this race for Jesus. I'm doing good. I got this thing. I, that's the problem. I got this. I got it. You don't got it. Can I give you a word this morning? You'll never have it. You'll never have it. Only he can do it in your life. And so the enemy uses wounds and temptation to try to hinder our rest. Isn't it funny how the devil will always tempt you when you're the most wounded? When you're tired of running? I would lie to you if I told you that I get up in this pulpit every week excited about it to be transparent there's some weeks where I think man I would just love to sleep in let's just start having church at like three o'clock come on <laughs> but the enemy loves to get us tired when did Samson fall into Delilah's lap he was tired when did he lose his strength? It wasn't in his tiredness that he lost his strength. It was when he gave up his consecration. What was his consecration? It was saying that what I can do is him and not myself. I know you're quiet this morning because this is hitting hard. And some of us are in a season right now where we've been laying our head on the lap of restlessness. But today, there is a revelatory word in this house to wake us up. You ready for it? We have to stop lying with stuff that we were meant to run over. I'm going to say it again. You should write it. You should tweet it. You should tattoo it if you have to. Don't get offended. It was a joke. Come on. We have to stop lying with stuff that we were meant to run over. Come on. I heard a pastor say one time, we can't expect to have victory over the demons that we sleep with on Saturday night. Now, I'm not talking about Tasha. Come on. But pastor, I just feel like all of hell is up against me. That's okay. It's okay. It's okay, boo-boo. You know why? I hear the prophet Isaiah again this morning when he said, no weapon. No weapon. Just tug your neighbor and say, no weapon. The Bible says that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. 
Notice it didn't say that it wouldn't be formed. Hell always has a tactic for my life. Hell is always trying to do something to trip me up in my race for Jesus. But it said, even though it's formed, ugh, it won't prosper. Come on. I said this morning that no weapon formed against you when I'm in the posture of rest will be able to prosper. Now, I felt this when I was taking notes. I know this is a quiet moment in this service, but I want to declare to you this morning, there is deliverance in this house right now against the weapons of hell. That should get somebody excited in the house. There is deliverance, I said, in this house as your pastor I believe God has given us a spirit of deliverance this morning. Come on, for as the prophetic word said, for every viper that is trying to tire me out and take me out, what it say? We're just going to shake it off. Come on, somebody just shake your hand like this right now. This wasn't playing in my message, but I feel this in the spirit right now. There is deliverance in this house this morning. You walked in here addicted to pornography. You're going to walk out free in Jesus' name. You walked in here about to get divorced. Oh, the devil is a liar. You're going to walk out of here with your marriage healed. Come on, somebody. Get with me in this moment. I said there is deliverance in this house. Receive it right now. Come on, if you believe that, lift your hands and receive it right now if that's you. God, I want everything that you have for me. Everything, including deliverance. Are you still with me? Then the Bible says this. Let's continue. Then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination. For the path has already been marked out before us. The only way to run with passion and determination is to run from a place of rest. My title this morning isn't running away from rest. It's running from it. That my running comes from my rest. Come on. Can I blow your mind this morning? It is possible not to get burned out. I said, it is possible not to get burned out. How, pastor? God has given us the realm of rest so that we will never again experience burnout and tiredness. But I know what you're thinking in this room. That's not possible. That, that's not possible Everything we've been taught says that eventually in my running, I will have to stop. In the natural, yes. But in the kingdom, no. Ooh, this revelation is going to set somebody free this morning. I believe that. You don't have to get burned out. You don't have to get burned out. But that's impossible. It is possible. When we stay in his presence at rest, nothing else can rob us of our victory in him. So catch this. 
I don't need to worry about fighting battles anymore. I just need to worry about staying in rest. You can't get free from your stuff because you're trying to fight it yourself. You can't get the healing you need because you're trying to run this race and do it yourself. You'll never win the battle, friend. I love you enough to tell you that this morning. You'll never do it in yourself. It will only come from the place of rest. The place of rest. So how do I stay at rest? Let's go to verse two. We look away from the natural realm. Catch that. We look away from the natural realm. What's the natural realm? My senses. How many of you still have jacked up smell and taste from COVID? It's the worst. Especially for someone who loves to cook and loves to eat what I cook. Come on. I made a steak the other night and it just tasted like garbage. Come on, our senses. We have to get away from the natural realm. What I can see, what I can hear. I'm reminded when I read that scripture of the Bible in, in 1 Kings, there's a prophet named Elijah. And there hadn't been rain, Joe, for three and a half years in Israel because Israel was worshiping idols and doing all kinds of craziness. And he said, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. And he sent his, his companion, his servant, up onto the mountain to look for it. And he would come back down saying, no, sir, it's not there. He said, go look again. No, sir, it's not there. Go look again. He did this seven times. And on the seventh time, the servant comes back and says, well, it's not what you hear. It's a cloud the size of a man's hand. I mean, what's that anyway? We have to stop looking away from what we see and what we hear and focus on the realm of rest. Catch this. And we fasten our gaze onto Jesus. We fasten our gaze. So here's what I want to tell you this morning. If they'll go ahead and come to the music. Fix your focus this morning. It's implied by the Aramaic word chore, which gives us the implication that the gaze upon Jesus is full expectation that he is enough. This morning, I have full expectation that he's all that I need. He's enough this morning. I said he's enough this morning. When I'm going through the battle of my life, when I'm getting shot from all around me, when there are arrows inside of me, when I'm hurting, I came to talk to some hurting people this morning. Just fix your focus, child of God, onto a father who already set the path
who already set the path. Hey, listener, thanks for tuning in to the Near Church podcast. You can give online, fill out a virtual connection card, plan your visit, and more by texting the words Near Church to 94000 or by visiting us online at www.nearchurch.co.